Hey guys, welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm John. And I believe that is Kathy over there. She's having a little bit of issues right now. That music is so long. So, guys, how do we sound, by the way? We, I did have to do some uh, twisting of the sound. So, I have quite a few printers going off in my background and a lot of fans. So I apologize if you hear a lot of that. So, if we do it, let me know. I yeah, those like are the only know. fans Gonzo has. <laughs> so, hey, Kathy, what episode are we on? Episode 175? Thanks, Kathy. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, God. I knew that would get you. <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> Very well. Episode 175. Thanks. Uh, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about tactical games, tactical battle, everything that has to do with tactics within a board game or a uh, miniature game uh, <laughs> to go things fun. Uh, Kathy is having a little bit of video issues, so if you see that she's kind of, you know, stuck, sorry, but she'll be okay. We'll let it live. Um, John, yes. before we get started, we have to do our, you know, our sponsors. And Tectonicraft Studios is one of our sponsors. Do you know Dan? I do know Dan. Dan is amazing. Uh, hopefully some one of my mods will reach in there and kind of give them a, a shout out. Because uh, Tectonicraft Studios is actually designing some new stuff uh, for Model Crisis Protocol. And we'll have some of that stuff out shortly, uh, which he will be showing off at Warfare Weekend. Awesome. Oh, I'll take a look. Cool. Um, he, he's working on some stuff. Hasn't got back to me yet. Um, but uh, he's uh, building some things on that, which would be pretty cool. Um, you also know uh, Lynn Stahl, right? Uh, I have not met Lynn, no. But you know who she is, right? Of course. Oh, of course, everybody knows Lynn. Uh, Lynn Stahl is also one of our sponsors. She has uh, a lot of our stuff in there. Um, on our on our, the website, she has actually put together a page for us so we can sell some of our product. And if you really, 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 really like dice, you should buy all of our dice. Uh, because all the dice that you buy, the money of that goes back into the podcast. So we're going to buy better equipment, do other things, get some really cool stuff. Um, and then, of course, we are a creature caster. Back when Cassie's video unfreezes. Uh, maybe uh, sometime this week she may be working on um, her... Uh, the twins? Yeah, this is Reigns of Desire. We'll have to wait and see. Um, and, of course, we want to thank Muse on Minis. Muse on Minis does a lot of our ho does some hosting for us. And uh, kind of put some stuff up for us um, and helps uh, push this out to everybody um, in different areas that we can't reach. So, <laughs> next week, maybe. So, um, before we get to doing everything, let's check. Do we have anybody that we need to do a shout out for? Any tributes or anything? Not that I recall. Not that I recall either. It's been a pretty, this week has actually been kind of slow and kind of. Chill. Knock on wood. Yeah. Or wood type object. I'm sure at some point this was made of something I might have approximated wood. <laughs> oh, hold on. I know this is made of wood. <laughs> there you go. At work, I have a wooden name thing that is my name, Wood, that I knock on whenever anyone says something stupid or I have to do that. So. <laughs> so, um,. I guess. I mean, we can talk about John. What are you drinking tonight? 
Uh, I am drinking uh, Jim Beam Red Stag, which is cherry whiskey mixed with cherry Coke. Okay, I think I could uh, I could probably handle that. That sounds pretty good. Uh, I am doing Scotch tonight. Um, I call it an eighteen, which is one of my favorite ones. Uh, oh, it smells so good. Uh, Kathy, what are you drinking tonight? Gin and tonic? Yeah, I I can see that you would probably do a gin and tonic almost every night. Uh, it'd been funnier if you said rum since she said rum. Fine. Yeah, but I wanted to throw up a little bit. I throw it up a I little mean, bit different. Standards have to be maintained. Yeah, standards have to be. <laughs> so, Cassie's video freezes and unfreezes all the time, so we're just gonna have to deal with it. Uh, don't worry that the the Cassie Waffle that is in our channel, we've been trying to ban her, but she can make new accounts and saying other things. Um, guys, we appreciate everybody coming in here and watching us and listening to us on all different things. Um, whether it's live here on Twitch, After Effect, because John does see that people watch his show after he's already done it, because he's got like 40, 50 people doing it all the time. Um, certainly not watching live. Yeah. Which is weird, because, you know, every, all of our numbers go up more when we're not live, which is interesting. But we'll deal with it. Um, guys, please wear a mask. Get the vaccine if you physically are healthy enough to get it. Be safe out there. Don't tempt fate. Um, we are still in a pandemic. Um, please, please, please be careful. We want to see everybody happy, healthy, and of course, see y'all at Warfare Weekend. Um, cheers. Cheers. Oh, hold on, I gotta save this. Yes, Legionnaires, you do have to. <laughs> you have to be vaccinated to come see us. So we hope we see everybody there and everybody vaccinated. Um, so, John, I mentioned this uh, when, I, when I mentioned this to you about do, talking about tactics. It was because one, Kathy, you know, her video freezes up all the time and she hates talking, you know, techno babble on, you know, games like this and getting into everything. So since her video is frozen, it'll be easier. You know, she won't be, you know, if we hear her snoring, we'll just kind of, you know, shake her awake. Um, but it came up recently because I got a phone call uh, from another streamer um, that was talking about um, games. And we kind of got on the talking. I mean, it was supposed to be just a simple talk about sponsoring at Warfare Weekend, but they started wanting to get into other things. And... One of the things that they were talking about was the current state of tactical gaming. And we kind of got on this little thing about it. And it was interesting because he brought up that old meme uh, and that old story of 40K where it's just a bunch of guys throwing money on the table until, you know, someone stops throwing money on the table. And we got started talking about all this stuff that comes with tactical games. And... I was like, this would be a good topic for John and I to talk about since Kathy's video is having issues. Um, so the one thing I want to talk about is let's break down just the basics. And we'll get into individual games later. But just the basic <laughs> of um, tactical gameplay. Because when you build an army list, 
you're going to want to make sure that you build the list that kind of works together type thing. So we were talking about Marvel Crisis Protocol, how you were looking at teams. And of course, like some people are were going off on crazy on teams. So let's go with there on lists and then we'll break down like board tactics. Well, of course, we have to start at lists because let's be specific. Tactics are what you do in the game when you've already when you're playing. Strategy is what you do prior to the game. So almost all of your core list building is is your strategy. Once you start the game, then it's tactics. Let's let's. I know it seems like I'm being excessively pedantic, which is my nature, but uh, it's very important to note that when we talk about strategy and tactics, so you could be worried about the right thing. Right. I mean, like I said, but the thing is, is there's. If you build a list, that's the reason why I kind of like theme list and building around uh, a team um, is, is kind of the thing. Because if you go like, oh, I'm going to build this theme list or this team list and none of it works together, it's kind of worthless. That's your strategy. So they're, inter- they're not interchangeable, but you, you they're intrinsically linked. Correct. So um, for something like Marble Crisis Protocol... Uh, since there's only 10 people on your bus, so to speak, that's your strategy. You're, you're which 10 people are on your bus, which uh, crisis and whatever the other the other cards are called, the, the, the two objective cards. Oh, yeah. And and your tactics cards, those core building, that's part of your intrinsic strategy, your pregame strategy. You know, you get that out of there beforehand. It's just like list building in most other games that allow that require list building prior to the match. So like your 40K, your Star Wars Legion, your Age of Sigmar, your 99% of the games out there. Now, I say 99% of the games out there because something like Malifaux, you actually don't build your list beforehand. You would just come with a faction. So I would hesitate to say that Malifaux uses a lot less strategy overall it uses a lot more tactics than other games because it's all in there as you're starting to play the game you've already started flipping cards their version of rolling dice by the time you're actually looking at making your list correct so you want to kind of break this down per like game the pre-strategy and strategy of building uh and do everything because i mean marvel crisis protocol you, you you got the three things you got your objective missions and you've got you know your Team and tactics guards and your yeah. boss, your your ten guys. We yeah. call it the bus. Yeah. yeah so you, your ten guys on a bus. So you've got to build that out first, because mm-hmm. if you if you build if your tactic cards and your mission cards, if you build the ten guys you bring, don't fluctuate with that. It's you're 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 screwing yourself right off the bat. So I mean, it's actually a pretty big. Yeah, you can just throw stuff in there. You you can definitely take your 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 um, objective cards and just sort of just throw some in there that you think look cool but you actually need to look at them and make sure that the deployments on them are stuff that you can do if you are the one who ends up being there so if you're the one who ends up being the the uh what is it called the priority so i got a question for you um there are some of the missions uh in marvel crisis protocol where you pick up an item and you have to run with it so there's always two types of missions in Marvel Crisis Protocol. For to be specific on that, you have take and holds, and you have pick up and run. There's always going to be those two types. You're always going to have one of each. That's the way the game works. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you, but you want to make sure that the take and hold stuff is where you want it. If you have a lot of slow characters, you don't want it all in the center line because it's going to be hard to get there. You want it in a different thing. You want the board corner ones where they're in the quarters so you can take and hold, so you're at least holding some so your faster guys can eventually get there. You want to, you, you need to look at that. You know, that's the inherent, uh, that's inherent strategy in that. You know, making sure that both you can make your points for any of the variable points values of your out of your bus, and that the guys in your bus can easily do what needs to be done with those. So you would look at the deployments and go like, okay, I don't want the centerline deployments. Or if you've got fast guys, you're like, I do want the centerline deployments so that I can get my fast guys up there because I'm gonna be doing it anyways. Yeah, because I mean, so here, here's a question that I wanted to bring up to you though. Because you have, like, the three phases of strategy on building the team, pretty much. Where do you start off? Do you start off with what you want to play? Do you want to always, start off? Always. Okay. Always, always, always. Because, I mean, that, that no could be overwhelming for in, someone brand new to the game. It is. But, as Benny and I learned today, if you, learn, if you bring the guys you want, things start coalescing. Now, you don't have to look deep into some of this stuff. But there are uh, tactic cards that work with certain people in certain teams, so you need to know what people are on your bus and you know what uh, leadership, what team you're likely to be doing, so that way you can, you know, the team affiliation, so you can bring the right stuff for that. And you know, there's two ways of doing it. So when uh, our buddy Marshall was learning how to play the Asgardians, he said, "I'm going to play Thor and Valkyrie." and Enchantress in every single list because they can always be in there. That's my leader and two people. Mm -hmm. And then I will add people in based off the point level and what the objectives are. F further objectives, faster people. You know, closer objectives, maybe harder hitting people. Who knows? And he built it off that and played like 10 games with it to make sure that he got a good understanding for it. He had a spreadsheet of who was available, what every possible permutation of his team at every point level with that core idea of I'm bringing those three people. So and you, that's definitely go ahead. So should you go with like, I I, I want to play with this guy, and then try to build not just that guy, but I mean just a, a few core team and go. Okay, I need to build build the team around this. Going with okay, if I hold center line, I take this group. If I have this, I get this. So I mean, you're not really doing a theme, and I put the quotes around that. But you are building. You, you've got your team card that you kind of be, you really should be paying attention to. You should be yes. So that's one way of doing it. You can do the so the martial way of doing it. Uh, I'm actually currently have two different leaders in my crew for two completely different teams, and I make sure that I can fill out those two teams with enough people to play it and have some crossover because there's no good guys versus bad guys or that. Once you, as long as you have more than half of your people uh, belonging to one affiliation, you're fine. You're that affiliation, and most of the stuff works for it. Gotcha. So I actually bring half of, well, I bring four Avengers, four Cabal, and then Winter Soldier, who's either or, because he's a, free, a uh, rogue agent, yep. and then Venom, because I want to play with Venom. <laughs> um, and you, I build off of that. Um, that's another way of doing it. You can go like, I want teams, I want, sometimes people do guys with lots of crossover. Like, you can do, uh, so I was talking to you earlier, Cable's apparently an X-Force. Deadpool is an X-Force. They're both also Avengers. So 
you could do Avengers and then also have X-Force guys and you've got that crossover of a couple characters. Correct. So suddenly things become easier to make that cross thing. Like, okay, I want to do Avengers this time. Here's Cap. Here's the people I want, you know, with them. Oh, I want to do X-Force. Here's Cable, who can also play and pretty well with Cap in the Avengers if you just want him as a regular dude. So yeah. there's a lot of crossover you can do there. It's uh, There's a lot more to it than it looks like. Yeah, because, I mean, there's, they've got a lot of models out right now. And quite a few affiliate teams, affiliations? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, could, be, it could be quite overwhelming and stuff. Uh, because not only do you have to get your team right, you got to get your tactic cards and your mission cards kind of all well, flowing together without being completely, I wouldn't say broken, but, you know... Together, yeah, you, because if you pick up you a card, you don't want to have any, you know, anti. You don't have any. You don't want to have any scornagey in your <laughs> stuff. To use the popular nomenclature with us, you don't want, you know, to have this. Oh crap! This doesn't work together well. Sometimes we see that, like, oh, this doesn't work because of this right. and that, and how you do things. So yeah. Oh, here's a Wolverine card. I'm not going to be bringing Wolverine in my my ten people. Make sure to pull that art type stuff out. Exactly. You know, and. uh uh, also, you want to make sure with your tactic cards. So I have one card that only Avengers can use, mm -hmm. one card that only Cavill can use, and then one card that only Modoc can use, and then five other cards that are generic. So between those, I'll be able to have the five cards you need in a game easily. Yeah. So you want to make sure you're doing that, but you also might miss cards. If you do one affiliation, it becomes a lot easier. You could have, you know, three or four cards that are character specific. So you're like whatever character you slot in, okay, I'm good because I slot in this character. Here we go. Yeah, so the pregame for MCP pretty is, strong. is pretty strong. I, I agree with that. Let's talk about 40K Age of Sigmar. Um, um, so uh, Age of Sigmar are kind of on the fence because they're about to have a new edition. I haven't really read the new rule book yet. I haven't gotten too much in it, but it, it's, it's almost so about the there same. Is, there is moderate, uh, well, you know, Legionnaire Scornergy is what we call it when things <laughs> don't work together like they're supposed to. Anyways, um, so 40k Sigmar, there's there's basic strategy in the core because you need to build your list. It needs to be, you know, a certain um, uber faction, then maybe a sub faction because you know order chaos destruction whatever. Yeah, and then stormcast whatever, or and then some of the even individual chambers in there. So they have like three levels of faction let's say where you might get more abilities or not uh so there's a lot in there and you you want to make sure that stuff works together that things trigger off each other so they really have a solid basic level but it's not as deep as other things because there's no missions you get to choose you're going to randomly roll a mission when you get there you know it's just the core most basic strategy to make sure your shit works together and that you're getting the abilities you want based off how specific or generic your faction is. You yeah, know? I mean, because for the most part, you've got, like, I'll take my Necron. You usually have to take one headquarters and two troops, and then depending on what, you know, other requirements are based on it, you take whatever, and then you kind of fill out, um, you know, what, what you're allowed to have in the slots. But for the most part, everything kind of works together. There's a little bit of funkiness, but not much. There's very few units that don't... There's very little scornage in 40k stuff. It's yeah. more just, okay, they don't take advantage of that rule, but you want stuff. Like, you want 
the commanders who give re-rolls in a certain aura or the stuff, you know, the, the characters who give re-rolls in auras and stuff like that. And army to army, it might change how much strategy you have in it. It's a wildly varies, I think, in that game, you know. And at its core, and I'm talking mostly last edition because I haven't played a lot of Decision 40K, um, they actually made it so you couldn't just use Imperium as a faction, which was an interesting play. I mean, you got a wide variety of stuff. But also in that edition, and I'm certain it works fairly similar, you can do, well, here's a detachment, which is one of your force, little force org charts, whatever it may be, of, say, you know, Death Watch. And then here's a one of Blood Angels, and here's one of Guard. And they would do that to make sure they had whatever advantages they wanted to get. So... It just, at least in last edition 40k there was a fair amount of strategy in that it's not really deep strategy it's actually basic but it's there yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a it, little less very, very basic. egregious it was actually I would actually Age of Sigmar had less inherent strategy than 40k and inherent mm -hmm. in that the, the only extra strategy was in the way the game plays since the double turn exists you would make your list so that you would be the one who would be going second so that you had the opportunity to double turn on your opponent first, not vice versa. Yeah, they, and that's sort of an interesting thing. That's sort of meta strategy. And, I, and I'm not a fan of meta strategy. You should not be making... You should not be able to choose a way to take advantage of game rules like that. If it was random who went first and second, double turn suddenly becomes less of bullshit. But since you can choose to make it so it's really hard for someone to have, for you, you know, for them to go after you, for you, so it's likely for you to go second, you start taking advantage of rules. That's sort of meta strategy, and that's not what a game wants, in my opinion. You want the strategy to be using the rules, not, as it is, taking advantage of it. And it may seem like a fine line, being pedantic again, but it is a fine line, and... I feel like the the Age of Sigmar one, at least from last year, was or from last edition, and I think it's going to be the same in this edition. Is sort of take advantage of a role. Yeah. Um, let's um, go with uh, Legionnaires since it's, uh, it, it was brought up. The Scornigy, War Machine and Hordes. War Machine and Hordes is based all around theme lists. Um, it, whether we like it or whether we like it or not, because you get a ton of free stuff and free bonuses from theme lists. Now, you can screw up a theme list if you really, really tried. Because you could just take off, you know, buy, no. you know, take things. You, but it's, it's, you can't. It's, it's you harder can't. to do that than anything Because else. literally, you buy stuff that's in the theme list, and if you're at a certain points level, you get a certain bonus, which is a great change. But I would say right now, especially of the games we talked about, of the games we're likely to talk about, um... War Machine Hordes has the least pre-game strategy. Because literally you're just like, I'm taking a theme list, because if you don't take a theme list, you're straight losing points, and that is stupid. Yes. So it's just, which theme list does what I want to do? <laughs> wow, really? That's, that's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how that plays out. <laughs> I'm just trying, I tend to type something up really quickly. <laughs> Yeah, um, you're you're pretty much, and I wouldn't say you're pigeonholed, but you, no, you're pretty pigeonholed close. Is exactly the, is exactly yeah. the word. You're pigeonholed into that, and from a game that had such 
potential variety available to it if units got balanced based on their points. It was disheartening to see. But that's not to say there isn't some. They have more meta strategy again for War Machine Awards, which is sort of the... <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, because the multiple ways you can win the game. You know, having inherently multiple ways to win the game is good. So Marvel Crest Protocol, you can win by tabling your opponent, but that's not a strategy you can go like, I'm just going to table my opponent. You don't know what the fuck they got. You don't know that they're not going to have something you just cannot deal with. You know, you need to be looking at everything. War Machine Hordes, you can go, this list is made to assassinate the caster. Correct. I will have just enough presence to hold it, to hold it so I don't lose a scenario, and I'm going to murder the caster. Or you can go, I am going to play the scenario. I've got all this stuff to move things out of zones and do shenanigans and all this, and I'm not going to go up the caster. I'm just going to do that. There is... That's the thing. And, that, and that's sort of where it is for, for that. It's It used to be themeless, binary, yes, no. It's now themeless, yes. If you're, yeah. if it's no, you've probably made a mistake. And it's just literally, what am I going to do as a meta tactic? So it's not bad, but it's also not good. Yeah, it, it's better. It's, than, much... it, it's better overall than the the Age of Sigmar part of taking advantage of the of the double turn, because they're not taking advantage of rules. They're just going. This is the ways the games are played, and it's actually it could easily be changed because the scenarios are not intrinsically in the game. It is a good and a bad thing. They could completely change the way it plays in tournaments just by changing the scenario packet. So. We've, we've gone with pretty much a, a pretty decent high one, which is MCP and War Machine and Hordes, which is, I wouldn't say, kind of like a middle road. What is like a really, really low, low, low pre-strategy list-building type game? Do you know of one? Um, no. I, I, I It's probably... I'm sorry. It's probably War Machine and Hordes. On your, on your the lowest one, this pre-strategy? I mean... There's just not much to choose. and You pretty much pick your theme fair, list and you build. It, it is tactically more, and we'll get to that in, in, shortly, but yeah, yeah, there's okay. tactically more to it than some of the other games, but strategy-wise, it's it's not a lot there. Uh, yeah, because usually you pick your faction and you pick your theme list that you want to play yeah. and you go from there. Because yeah. um, I, I, have a, I have a friend of mine, Nick, and uh, he's going to be wanting to come on the show soon. Uh, he has helped design... Um, uh, oh, my God. Heavy Gear Blitz, uh, which Heavy Gear is a squad mech game, not as mm -hmm. big as like size wise as like BattleTech uh, well, models, you know height height wise. Oh, the, okay. the the scale the scale isn't like you know mech warrior. The the humans are tiny. This is more like two story type mechs, so like light mechs in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, and h him and I were talking and stuff when we were talking about the game. Because this also came up another thing that a lot of people are afraid to try and buy into a new game or whatever because, of course, cost and is anybody going to play it and so yeah, on and so that, forth. Yeah, that's a whole different subject of, of that. We can talk about that because yeah. there's some opinions in our local group about that. But. Yeah, uh, Legionnaires, Heavy Gear is around. They uh, they just finished a Kickstarter. Um, they have a new rule set uh, and plastic models on sprues. Uh, and uh, one of the one of the selling points that they told me was uh, that my friend Nick was telling me is like sixty five dollars, and you have a, your equivalent of a seventy five point army, right off the bat. 
Um, oh, like a, a War Machine Horde 75 point army? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, in which he, he, him and I were talking a bit, and it's also kind of brought up the subject of tactics because I played a demo game of it a while back, and it was it was pretty fun. I, I enjoyed it, um, and I could technically see myself buying, oh. you know, a sixty five dollar army and not feel bad if I only get to play that game every once in a while. So, thing. if we're talking about strategy as what you do before you come to the table with the game, I actually can think of one one game that is lower than War Machine of Hordes. Mm-hmm. And it's going to shock you. Um, go for it. Malifaux. Well, Malifaux, all you do is you bring a faction, though, right? Correct. You There is literally no pre-table strategy to the game. It is, what faction am I playing? All right, we're done here. Let's go. Yeah, because they're, they're just... And you bring all the models for that faction, correct? You... Uh, now, some tournaments limit it, but inherently, yes. Gotcha. As, as as written in the rule book, you bring all the models for the faction. Gotcha. And then based and you on just declare a faction. whatever, then you build your list at the start of the tournament. Yeah, yeah. There's there's much more of the let's call it at the table strategy, gotcha. where a lot of other games actually fall apart. So if we go to at the table strategy, and so something like Legion and uh, Armada. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. I can go even lower. Oh. X-Wing. <laughs> All you build is your list. So there's some in there, but it's just a list. Yeah. So it's maybe a little higher than Malifaux, but it's not much. It's lower than the rest of the games. So there you go, Machine Hordes players. Uh, there are games that are less strategically depth than, than you guys. And Shocking is one of the ones I love very much. So but the at-the-table strategy, uh, X-Wing is terrible. It, there's no at-the-table strategy. Or no, because you, you, you lay the stuff down and you're done. And murder, yeah. yeah. So there's no there's no strategy there. Um, so let, let's, go with, let's go pre-strategy before we go that, because you've got your table, you walk up with your friend, you're at your table, X-Wing, the terrain is already done? I've, I've no, X-wing you do the terrain while you're playing, in, okay. interactively. Okay. Um, I, I, we can take that out of the game. Let's take terrain out, because terrain should be collaborative. X-Wing just has good rules. X-Wing and um, Armada, Star Wars Armada, have good rules Mm -hmm. at making you be collaborative with it. Gotcha. So It's it's sort of just taking the gamer's social contract, see last week's podcast, out of it (laughs) and putting it in the rule book. That's a callback. It's not a professional podcasting. But, okay, so let's talk about the terrain's already set. You're walking up. You've got your list. It's time to play. Or you have whatever you do at home before you get to the table. Correct. You have your pre-table strategy done. Yes. And so you walk up to the table and you've got it going. Um, let's do a quick one. War Machine Hordes, you you choose a list and you yep. look at your opponent list. I look at my list and I decide which one I'm going to choose. You decide you're going to choose and, you know, it's blind show so no one can cheat. Mm-hmm. And then you have a roll off to see who's going to go, whether you want to. And the winner gets to choose whether they go first or second. Or second type thing so you know if you choose your table edge you're going second blah 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 um and so there's a little bit of strategy in that for the simple fact that if oh this guy's got a complete whole army that is all incorporeal models uh and i have no magical weapons in my one list i'm gonna have to take my other list the list chicken correct yes there's there there's only list chicken though if you build a good list you don't have less list chicken it's more of binary if x play Y, if not, play Z. Yeah. 
Most people build like that. And that's that's fair. That's a smart way to build things. So there is a moderate amount of, you know, at-the-table strategy to go on. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I, I have my Kador army that I like to play in, and it's a very fast army. So I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, all of my objectives are, and everything's right in the center. Uh, yeah, again, I'll go with, excuse me, I'll go with this. Oh, uh, this person has no shooting. Uh, I can make sure I can go with this list. So, I mean, there there is that, that list chicken uh, going on. Um, War uh, let's go with X-Wing. Terrain is set there, up. Terrain, terrain is set up between two of you. There's nothing. 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 Absolutely nothing. Yeah. It is, there, there, there's, aside from this building, there's no strategic depth to, X, depth to X wing. Yeah, and Armada is the same way, I'm guessing? I've never played Armada. Um, no, there's more to it because of the, if you have enough points, most of it's pre, is follow-up on pre-game stuff, uh, where you have to look and see what, uh, you know, idea of what the missions you have are and your opponent have are to see if you want to choose the mission or go first or whatever it is. So there's some there, but it's, it's moderate. It's not, it's about equal with, uh, something like War Machine of Horns. Yeah. But it's more scenario based. Same with Legion. There's a, there's that whole setup phase where you're putting out the grid of, uh, environmental effects and strategies and deployments and flipping them to see what you want to do. Um, and part of that is actually done pre-game, you know, because you choose which cards are in your deck, and you can change the and you can affect the points on your thing to see if you're the one who gets the advantage and gets to use yours. Acid burn, punk, got it finally. Yep. <laughs> Weekend of cappies. Um, so let's go with like forty k. Um, there's there's nothing. Nothing. There's Besides no. See who goes that, first. You've done it all pre-getting to the table. Yeah. At the table, you're rolling dice and see what scenario you're playing, and that's it. There is no other sort of uh, strategy at that point. Same with Age of Sigmar. There's no strategy at that point. It is literally, I've gotten to the table, everything else is done at home, and now it's time just to roll the dice and see what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and there's something to be said for that, because it means that you have all the time in the world to do that part, and then when you get to the table, you're just ready to go. So um, let's go with Marvel Crisis Protocol, because this one is actually pretty elaborate. You've got your so trains yes. already set up, and then you start going with the pregame phase. Yeah. Then you, you roll some dice to see who inherently has the advantage, or the, uh, what's it called? Whatever. Who the first player is, let's call it. Yeah. And then... They choose whether they want the crisis or... Yeah, I forget what the name of the two cards are. I don't really care. The red or the blue cards. <laughs> the objectives. You, they choose which one they have. Priority. Thank you, Mania. They choose which one they want, whether the red or the blue. And then you randomly lose one out of it. Your opponent pulls one out. You're not going to play with that one for the red and the blue because the other player gets the blue. And then you both choose one of those cards to be your card for either the, you know, um, crisis or the whatever it's called, the, the other objective. Uh, and then the player who has the priority will choose what point value, because there's points in each card, which point value they want to use of the two. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing is, is I think the point value, I think that's the least tactical part, because usually most everybody chooses oh, no. a lot. Oh, no. Have you, oh, have you no, seen that? No, no, no. Okay, so oh, no. from my perspective, 
every time I've played or been with somebody, it's usually they choose the max amount of points um, that's well, allowable. If, if Banyan is going to break out the Black Order with Thanos and shit, I'm not choosing the max points. I'm choosing the lowest fucking points because fuck you and your soul stones. <laughs> you, and your, you and your paperweights can go away, and I'm not going to let you have any more points than I need to. Um, so there is a lot more to that because you also may know, okay, based off of these two things, what we're doing, I need this many points to do what I want to do to achieve it. So it's actually way more depth because of that. And yeah, then of you course, definitely have to make you're sure you're not even done at that point because then you still have to fucking make your actual team that's coming to play. Correct. Because then you got to build your team going, oh, we're stuck at 16 points. It's got to be 16 points or less. No points over. I'm probably not bringing the Hulk for six points then because that seems like uh, a little much, you know what I mean? Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. So, I mean, th there is some strategy in that, but it's mostly the strategy is looking at your list to make sure that you can get what you need and then going, oh, Thanos and all of his soul stones, yeah, I'm going to make sure I'm going to choose the lower one. Well, it's not binary because sometimes you're like, okay, I know what he can do. I need the more points to deal with the bullshit he's going to do. You might know that, or you might think, in your opinion, that Thanos and his crew tapers off after a certain point level, and it don't matter, and you get more benefit by more points than they do. That might be, you know, you might, that might be your tactic, might be your strategy at that point. Uh, so, there's a lot to it. In fact, I would say, at this point, it has the second most, uh, uh, you know, the pregame strategy is the second most of any game. Obviously, Malifaux has the absolute most, because you have to figure out what your schemes and strategies are, what your deployment is from flipping cards. And then you actually have to build your fucking crew. Yeah, that one I would say is, is I would say that would probably be the most going to MCP because then you also have the missions that you have to choose, which it's one, one of my favorite parts about MCP is the missions. You 100% don't know what you're going to be playing until you get to the table and start rolling. And you and... Well, no. That's not true. You know that one of the two, one of the red or one of the blue, are going to be from your thing. Correct. And you should know exactly how that works and your characters work with that. So there's an advantage there. You want to make sure, you, like I said, you're bringing stuff that you can work with. But that's also pre-strategy. That's the uh, yeah. at-home strategy. But, I mean, it's not going to be the same as my partner next to me doing their thing. They're different. They can have completely different strategies, uh, different missions also. Yes. Um, yeah. If in a tournament you're not going to be playing the same stuff, you're going to be playing whatever you do. And then, of course, we were talking about you know X-wing and Marvel and all, or X-wing and all that yeah. is already pre-done. There's just yes. Roll for yeah, So it's like, so it's like Malifaux, uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol, and then the middle ground gets a little. It's all pretty much the same after that. I mean, obviously, X-wing and Sage Sigmar and 40k are just they're the lowest. They, there's nothing to do. Yeah. You're just ready to go. All right, and then at that point you're ready for tactics. Yeah, because this this is where this is where it really kicks in um, for the information because this is the bread and butter of the game, honestly. Hopefully. Yeah, you, you hope. So yeah. I I, I want to guess your I'm, I'm going to guess your lowest tactic wise. Oh, I'm lowest right. tactic wise. Um, oof. All right, go ahead. I I'm going to guess because we we talked about this once. X-Wing. Yep. Yep. Because it is not... There's no strategy to what you're doing. You'll, you'll have a greater strategy that you've thought about at home with your stuff when you're list building. But once it's a table, it's not even so much tactics. It is either you are doing just this to do your thing or 
it becomes a scrum and you're just doing whatever is the best at that time. Yeah, you're just thinking on your feet. It is the wonder and the hell of that game all in one. Yeah. Because there's no... Because in X-Wing, there's no objectives. No scenarios. Murder, murder, murder. Murder murder each other and be done with it. Uh, Armada, does it... How is that? It does. It does have objectives. It does have objectives. So it's a little step up in. Uh, A significant step up. I would actually say it is more important objectively than, say, Age of Sigmar or 40K. Okay. Because the objectives are worth enough points that it really matters if you ignore them. Okay. 40K and Sigmar, you can still just murder your opponents out of hand and you will win. Yeah, because, I mean, Um, honestly, they do have objectives. And mm-hmm. you use stuff you can do, and you can get points for that. But most of it boils down to move forward and shoot, stand still and shoot, move forward and murder. I mean, there, like, so there are objective points you have to take, but you do it on the way to murdering. Yeah. There, there, there's it's not there... like someone goes like, I'm going to play the objectives, and that's my whole... Pl-. No, no. You're going you, <laughs> to go to the objectives on your way to murdering people. Yeah, you murder, murder along the way to stand on that one flag or whatever it is. You have a, may, may have a greater tactic of, ah, uh, if it's this deployment of this objective, I'm going to murder and I'm going to deploy in this fashion to murder along this axis. Or if it's this way, I'm going to murder in a straight line because that's the best way to do it. Or if it's this way, I'm going to refuse flank and hold this a little bit and murder this way. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, comes down to it is we kill along the way and just hopefully murder enough that nothing comes back. Yep. Type thing. Um, yeah, Age of Sigmar 40k kind of in the lowest area for, for tactics and all because it's all, it's it's dice. They've replaced tactics with giant quantities of dice. Now, that's not to say there isn't something in there that you can do. There are greater tactical advantages to be had, but there's no like, oh, we've gotten, uh, you know, there's no morale, there's no morale to speak of in the game. Yeah, no one runs. So no one, well, they do, but it's just more models you take off, and usually yeah. it only happens when you're getting excessively murdered. So it's just like a cherry on top of the murder cupcake. Yep. Um, so there's something there, but they're really not. I mean, if you're rated, like I said, it's better than X-Wing, but honestly, it devolves a lot into X-Wing. It's only better than that you go like, I know their objectives. I have a basic plan for taking objectives on my way to murder. But once shit starts hitting the fan, it becomes a bunch of little scrums rather than any organized tactic. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to shoot here. Oh, let me use this point so I can get re-rolls this turn. And and the best players actually have it where they're like, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this because it keeps my murder ball uh, aura of re-rolls together. It, there's something to that. There's some skill and everything there. But I don't think it's as great as other games. Which one are we going to talk about now? Uh, War Machine of Hordes, again, unless you have a balanced list, you probably know what you're going to do prior to actually sitting down at the table. Whether yeah, your, it's going your to be list is either going to be assassin, I mean, control, dominant. Or even attrition sometimes. Is, is, yeah. It's a viable thing to do. Just, I'm going to trade well. Yes. But that just turns into scenario or assassination. Um, um, so, so fine. let's go with, so in, in, um, War Machine and Hordes, the one thing that I noticed that, uh, one of the things is, is they started doing and adding more things to the game. Like they added 3D terrain, ooh, 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 ooh. which is okay. 
they're kind of gonna, but until I start seeing it practice and put into effect, they're not, not they're not gonna play with they're not gonna play with it. they're gonna play with flat terrain. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I, I want to see well, this because there is actually a uh, Facebook group about people that use that are dedicated to using 3D terrain with War Machine cool. Lords, which is really cool. Yeah, I want to see more of it um, because and that's that's what came about uh, just recently with the new uh, Steamroller packet. Was, so uh, as it Burnpunk says that in 40k there are some matchups you can't win even if you table wipe your opponent because of bad mission objectives. Yeah, that can happen in anything. Uh, that is, generally speaking, is it bad mission objectives or because someone playing the objectives? I have no problem with a game that if you sacrifice stuff to get whatever objective points you get, you try and get an advantage high enough that even if you're wiped out, they can't take a get of points before the end of the game. I'm okay with that. That is a tactical thing. That is... Uh, actually, a good, a good sign for the game. Um, it is the one. Just to jump around a little bit, it is the one giant flaw in Marvel Crisis Protocol, is that no matter how far ahead you are on points, if you get murdered all the way, you you lose. Yeah. And I think actually Marvel Crisis Protocol is one of those games that would be better the other way around because how many times do the heroes wake up and somehow they've won because they did the thing, even though the enemy beat the crap out of them. Correct. That happens all the time. It's very comfortable. It's on brand, and honestly, it is a better game. Uh, Star Wars Legion. If they can't get enough points and they have murdered all of your dudes, you will still win. It's hard because there's a scoring phase at the end, and you would have had to have really front loaded. But it is entirely possible. Um, so that's sort of like a I don't want to say a meta thing, but it's a game. Uh, It's a game rule break on uh, tactics and strategy at that point, you know, where the game is hurting the potential strategy. In fact, Gonzo had a little talk, talk with this, how a lot of games without true morale rules are hurt because it's just murder. There's no tactical movement. If you go into uh, probably the king of on-table tactics, I would say, currently, in my opinion, is actually uh, Star Wars Legion. Yeah, because I mean, you you get into just you can suppress people pumping. so they don't get they they you can just shoot them even though you're not gonna do anything like I'm gonna roll a hit you're gonna be in cover and be fine but you're gonna get suppression token so you're gonna do less if I do it enough maybe I break your unit they start running there's a lot to that you can actually choose to make shitty shots because you know it's gonna break a unit yeah and that's a good option to have it makes tactical movement cover and all that stuff very important. Yeah, because I, I mean, the, <clears throat> so let's go with Marvel Crisis Protocol. I mean, we, sure. we've, we've hit a lot on that, but I mean, it's it's the new big new big hotness on, on the market right now. And a lot of people are playing it. Um, the thing about Marvel Crisis Protocol that I like is it is a very fluid field. Um, it, it is very moving because it is actually a small field, you know, only mm-hmm. three by three. Three by three. So, you know, you're, you're not running and hiding very much you can no. run but eventually you're gonna get caught unlike in right. like 40k uh, oh uh, this model moves 60 inches i'm gone unless it's unless it's kingpin or or crossbones or somebody coming after you you, I mean, you'll get, <laughs> you won't get away but if it's those two maybe maybe you get away crossbones is kind of slow yeah. Kingpin kind of slow so i mean in that fact because when you get the mission and you're doing the mission and say your mission is one that you grab and hold you're grabbing and holding. You got to stick there and stay there. So you got to make sure that your models that are sticking and staying there 
can be able to take it. Potentially. So that's the thing. That's not all binary. It's not just all, not like all the, uh, uh, all the hold uh, scenarios are the same. Uh, there's ones where you have to stand there and you score points by being there and having control of it. There's ones where you go there, you interact with it, and have to try and control it, but you can wander away after you're done. Yeah, because you feel like, flick the switch or whatever. Yeah, flip the switch, do whatever. But generally those are harder to take if there's people around, and so there's something for that. But you can just wander away if you need to. Yeah. It just it, it, it's fluid because the missions aren't 100%. I mean, you can be, you don't know 100% what it's going to be. It's like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and get this mission where I grab and toggle switch it, is the best way to call it. Toggle yep. switch and walk away and hide behind that trash can so I don't have to touch that. And then you got ones that yep. you have to stand next to, so you make yep. sure that you put, you know, someone that can defend that area really well. Yep. And then you got some well, that are just grab and run. Where, you know, Spider-Man makes really good use, you know. Well, some of them don't let you grab in one well. So for the yeah. example of what we did, uh, actually funny is uh, um, what uh, Bainey and I did today. There was one where you go and you toggle it, so to speak. Either I have control or he has control by rolling dice. And those are the ones that's stationary. And there's one, there's only one you had to actually have. Uh, and those were actually not uh, points per ones you hold. It was binary. If you're holding more, you get three victory points. Otherwise, suck it. <laughs> and then there was you had to search through uh, rubble piles to see if you could find the Kree Power Core, which actually prevents you from fully running away because you only get one move action, and you have to attack somebody every turn or you take damage. So there's a lot of other factors. There's a lot more to it. It's not as binary. They didn't try to make all the objectives the same. They put thought into it. Sort of, you know, sort of like Legion. I mean, honestly, Atomic Mass Games, FFG, those guys are all thinking in the same vein, so to speak, which is why it's surprising that X-Wing is still so far of an outlier, but it was sort of the first of that group. Yeah. But there's a lot to them, so it's not just binary. So there's a lot of it, you know. Like, I don't want, say, Black Widow picking up the power core necessarily because moving is her thing, and she doesn't really need want to engage because she's not really good at it. Yeah. So it sort of hurts her game. But then someone like, you know, Iron Man picking it up, fine, I don't want to move too much anyway. It's just turret mode activated. You know, so there's a lot more to that. And you want to, and now you don't always have a choice. Sometimes you're just like, I've got to find it and see what I can do anyways. Because, but, you know, it, it, they will affect it. Some of them, some of the taken holes, there's one from the Asgardians, uh, Hammers, I forget what the whole thing is called, where you pick up a hammer and it gives you an extra die to attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it makes it harder to do other things. Like you want to pick those up, and then you want to go murder people. Well, there's also the one thing that Marvel has different than I would say ninety percent of the games don't have is the ability to destroy terrain. Yep. Um, and that plays a big factor because on most games, everything the terrain is there and static. You can't do anything about it. Um, yep. if, you know, it does have its rules, but for the most part, you can't interact with it and remove it. Um, for any simple fact at all. It's there, it's done. Oh, this is cover, uh, this is light cover, this is heavy cover, this is rough terrain, whatever. I'm and, actually pretty certain that only Marvel and Malifaux let you do things with terrain. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't, like I don't know if Malifaux had a destroy terrain feature. Well, so, and Malifaux terrain all has um, keywords to it, and you, you, you know, and 
if it's something that can be breakable, it'll be breakable, and it'll have rules for breaking it. Gotcha. So, uh, but yeah, Marvel's got a lot of lot of tactics in the game. Um, like I said, Star Wars Legion has a lot of tactics in the game. Uh, Malifaux is, I mean, ninety percent tactics in the game, ten percent absolute fuckery with the models you brought. <laughs> but so those are the, those are sort of my big three there, and then it's a sliding scale down to you get the X wing. Unfortunately, yeah, I mean, you know, really, you get, War Machine of Hordes is sort of like the next level. There's a lot you do there, but um, that's more than 40k Sigmar, but not like significantly more. Uh, no, actually, I would actually count Monster Apocalypse as a board game. It's a it, there is. I am sure there is all of these to it, but I don't have enough familiarity to speak to it. Yeah, I, I'm sitting here thinking, and yes. Some people like it because of the gridded system, which is great. I don't have any single problem. And you do have some tactics because you know what you're bringing, but then you also know that, you know, you can only bring out certain things because of the cost of bringing out models. And you're either doing a two-monster or one-monster crush, and that'll depend if, you know, it's just all based on your faction of what you're bringing. Uh So, you know, if you're bringing whatever faction, you know you're going to be bringing this, this, and this. And you're pretty much going to be bringing the whole thing so you can bring things out. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like Warcaster. Warcaster, you got your faction. You do have a list build, but what you bring out is the tactic part because, oh, I need to bring this gate here. I need something at that gate that can stand and hold and take the damage. Or I need something that can zip off across the battlefield to help out my buddies in the far corner. So, you do, and, and the buildings are actually important too in Monster Apocalypse. Um, you know, are you going to bring a building that helps your faction, or are you going to bring a building that, you know, is going to blow up once it's destroyed, you know, type thing? So, I mean, yeah, there is that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that sounds pre-game. I'd like to... Uh, I said I haven't played it, and I haven't looked at it played, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but it sounds like it's got some pre-game. It does have some pre-game, uh, especially the, the buildings and what you're bringing. But once you're on now, the field, it also depends on your battlefield because certain things are predetermined for you, you know, on where you can put the terrain and where things can come out and such. So yes, there is that. Um, still a fun game. Uh, if you're not making big sound effects when you're playing that game, you're doing it wrong type thing. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about winning strategies for these games because we only got a little bit of time left, but I think this is important because for the most part, X-Wing, X-Wing winning strategy, strategy, kill each other. Murder more, yes. Yeah, murder more. Uh, so, now now that they're, they're tweaking the points more, it becomes a lot more of player. It's a lot more player skill with a healthy dose of, of course, dice are involved. And the only problem with it, the, the major remaining problem with X-Wing is that the dice on certain ships are so bloated that it can become a stalemate if they just get a little hot on a defense and you're a little cool. Not even, like, horribly so, but a little hot and cool. And this is actually an FFG problem in... I won't say in general, but it's definitely a potential FFG problem with a lot of their games. Because if you get a little cold on offense and a little hot on defense, suddenly it becomes a little stagnant because there's yeah. no scenario. It, it now, can swing pretty far. Legion avoids this because, sure, you may be killing stuff, but you're still putting suppression tokens on, defecting it, and you can still play the scenario. 
Uh, Armada doesn't really have this problem because there are no defense dice, only attack dice. I roll hits, <laughs> you fucking take the hits. That's how it works. It's because it's a massive amount of... The, the, I'm guessing the idea is there's just a massive amount of firepower that mm-hmm. you can't dodge. Yeah, I mean, you can do stuff to mitigate it and all, but you're taking damage. Yeah. There, there's no... There's no... My, my ship dodges to the left. <laughs> I mean, no, there is dodge, but I dodge that die. So the only time it stagnates there is if you're rolling poorly on offense against a ship that has the correct defense. But it's still usually just more of, rather than taking all five, I rolled really good, and maybe I'm only taking two. That kind of thing instead. Um, Marvel Crisis Pulse sort of has that same issue. If they get a little cold on offense, and you get a little hot on defense, it can really make a huge difference in the game. Because suddenly you're making your attacks, you're not getting damage through, you're not necessarily generating power like you need to to do the bigger attacks that would get the damage through. So, um, while it's a problem, it's a problem that can be mitigated somewhat through smart use of your power. Or having some shenanigans to help. That's where some of those other shenanigans help. But it is definitely a thing. I had some characters who were like, I don't have any power. I can't do the thing I need to do that would punch through defenses. Yeah, because you also so. have... Because like in War Machine Hordes, you have winning by control points, assassination, and death clock. Those are the three type of winning strategies. Death clock is not a winning strategy because it is an arbitrary thing added by people playing the game. Yeah, but I mean, that that's one of the win scenarios of your opponent. It's... It's not supposed to be a win scenario. It's supposed to be a you-play-the-game-in-the-lot-of-time scenario. Correct. If you are playing for Death Clock, either your opponent was never going to finish the game either, because I've done some of those, (laughs) or you're stalling and stop being an asset. (laughs) I've played people where I realized the amount of time they took in their first turn, and the question is, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to win on Death Clock because this guy, he's not ready for a tournament. Yeah. There, there, there's and I did. Issue. I did confusing things, and he's like, I don't know. And, and he'd just stop and think for minutes. And I'm like, but that's meta tactics. We don't want to get to that. Meta tactics are very situational. Um, uh, 40k, Age of Sigmar, controlling objectives and completing objectives, but it's still. Murder people. Yeah. It's, murder people. Yeah. No, there, there are objectives. Um, you know, as a is right, there are objectives. And certain ones, like you said, Imperial Knights versus things, if you do enough killing, they can't kill enough to win. But there are scenario modes that, uh, at least there were in 8th edition, that you can get around that. Yeah. And But remember, it's also good to note, that's a game made for, you know, I hate to say beer and pretzels, it's a beer and pretzels miniatures game. So yeah. you want to keep that in mind. It's not aiming for competitiveness. Correct. It's It's... Even though it is, and that's you know most, how most people play it. Eh, I don't want to say most people. That's how a lot of people play it, but it's correct. not most. Yeah. Um, what's the other one? Uh, what about uh, Malifaux? You you speak a lot of Malifaux more than I do. Uh, Malifaux is all about your objectives. You can literally get enough objective points, and they can murder all your dudes, and they'll be like, "You can't do enough in the turn in the time remaining to win the game." It is purely scenario driven. It used to be more scenario driven to the point where they would not, you would not engage the other crew at all. You would do your own thing, 
in the games of only when you had to, trying to just get enough points to be like, I've got 10. If I stop you from getting one of your points and you don't get 10, I win. But they've throttled that back a lot and done a lot more interactive stuff, which is good. And they also are one of the few, uh, I think, technically speaking, uh, Primus Press is one of the others uh, with War Machine Hordes, where they will change the scenarios based off what's been broken and what's being broken. Uh, they do what they call Gaining Grounds, which is their yearly scenario update, where they will replace usually just some of the strategies and uh, schemes and strategies with other ones that are more balanced based on what's been going on. So if one of them's like egregious, like, oh, this one's easy to score, they'll make it with, they'll replace it with one that's more, more difficult to score, more online with the rest of them. But that's still only for tournament play. You don't, you can use gaining grounds for casual, but the book is fine. Those scenarios are fine. There's nothing there is agreed. Just, and you have so many to choose from, which we didn't speak of, but there's a lot of choice in how you go about scoring your points. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of games out there that are, how can I put this? 40k and Age of Sigmar, at the end, the core mechanic is wipe each other out, try to get the score and, of points type thing. And X-Wing. And you X-Wing. Know, wipe X-wing. each other out. Yeah. But, you know, wiping each other out is still always the core. They are great. They are good. Beer and pretzels, just going to have a good time game. They should right. not be taken too seriously, though they are. Uh, you got War Machine and Hordes. You got the... You know, War Machine Hordes is easy to play, take seriously because they put so much into the scenario package. You can take it seriously. Correct. Um, in fact, I would say at this point, because there are no scenarios of any kind in the core rulebook, it is it's one of its most giant failings. It, it, if there was one that is going to end that game, that's the one. What's the casual scenario for War Machine Hordes, Gonzo? There isn't one. You've got to play, really and that's a mistake. Uh, and then you got Marvel Crisis Protocol, which... It's in the box, I'd like to say. Everything yeah. you need is in there. You just need some facts and errata. You don't even necessarily need them. There's really not much egregious, depending on what you've got. You can just play what's in the box, and it works fine. Which, talking about in the box, I should be getting a box this week with my Armada ships in it. So No, you don't mean Star Wars Armada, because I was going to get excited for a second. No, I, we have nobody around here plays that. I'm sorry. Um, but no, my, my Armada ships, because I really want to paint my Armada ships up. I have some cool stuff I want to do with them. Yeah. Um, but talk about that. Yeah, I, so I can't there, wait there, to try that out and play that. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of... I actually like to judge not so much that is how good the game is out of the box with all aspects of everything. You know, if you buy the starter box and maybe a couple extra models or whatever, how good is the game is my biggest thing because i'm not i mean let's be honest you're the tournament guy i'm the casual guy correct um and that's sort of unfortunately where x-wing gets high marks out of the box because you play it the same way regardless correct i i mean it loses marks on other things but as far as the out of the box factor is pretty good yeah you just put put your model on the table Put your terrain down, blow each other up. Armada is good because it's all in the core box. The core box isn't so much a great core box for playing, but a little bit of add-ons on those sides, it's okay. 
Um, Legion, much the same way. Everything's there in the box. You don't really have enough real models to play out, out of the box. A couple things added on are pretty good. Um, War Machine of Hordes, well, there's not really a box. There's no actual scenario rules in the box. All you can do is throw down and try and murder each other with Caster Kill. It is really kind of shit out of the box. Yeah, it's... You really, if you were to get two players, there are some scenarios in there, but they're not what every, anybody plays. So if you were to get, I got, I got my starter box. Hey, I want to go I play think... a game. You'd be like, oh, oh this isn't. A... Yeah, the starter box has got an add-on that has some extra scenarios. Yes, but most people get the rule book if you, you can go. find, and, and there's no, there's no scenarios in there. It's, yeah. it's a terrible player. Yeah. Um, now, Age of Sigmar and 40k get higher marks because in their rule book they have a plethora of scenarios and such um but they lose out because you generally need so much more than's in the box to play oh yeah you need you're spending and, a lot of money and i have to dock them for how shitty a job they're doing on their current space you know group of core boxes yeah you have to spend a whole lot more uh malifo also doesn't have a box anymore but the rule book's dirt cheap. You can do a rule book and a gang, and you're fine. So it's pretty solid out of the box. Um, I mean, unfortunately, model-wise, even I guess War Machine of Hordes isn't really good model-wise out of the box. Yeah, it's just a battle. Your battle groups are not battle group versus battle group is it's good for learning. Yeah. And I think if they'd actually put more time, more effort into making a good scenario for learning, I think you could really do something there. But. You know, it's hard. I don't like to shit on games because, again, there is a shit ton of tactical gameplay in War Machine of Hordes. Um, in fact, that's where most of your things is. It's a very much a player's game. Yeah, that's why all the the big players were the same big players again and again and again for the most part because it's a player's game. X-Wing is a player's game. Um, X-Wing, a little less so because the dice are very streaky. It's harder to be streaky with dice with multiple dice added together because you end up with a bell curve of some variety. Yeah. You get, you get, uh, I need to roll a seven. Uh, the other one's like, I'm going to roll as many as I can. And okay, good. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting a bell curve. You're getting, uh, you know, a bunch of one to eight probabilities. Yeah. Type thing. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, I would say when you're looking at a game, you need to look at what you want from your tactical and strategic gameplay if you want to spend a lot of time, if it's your hobby, like, I'm going to paint my models, I'm going to look at my list and tweak my list to make it good, you're going to want a 40K, an Age of Sigmar, a War Machine of Hordes, um, Marble Crisis Protocol. Those are all things where you can do a lot at home. You know, in X-Wing, you'd have been at home, uh, Armada Legion. You don't want... At that point, you don't want to Malifaux at home because you don't. You can make some lists, but it's not going to drive contact with the enemy because you don't need to. You can really go. You you can go and be like, all right, if it's this, I'm taking these guys. If it's this, I'm taking these guys. If it's this, I'm taking these guys. You can do that. You know, to say it's not there, but you have to invent the depth, so to speak. You have to go above and beyond to get that that level of the depth, if you will. Because you don't need to do that. You can just wait till you get to the game store, game store, see what they're playing as a faction, and make all your decisions then. So by doing it at home, um, in fact, our old, uh, what's he's called? Our old henchman, Bill, used to get on my case because I'd come in with 
we don't have much media to talk about, Kathy. We're going to finish this off. We can, I come in with lists already built, and he'd be like, you don't do that. Because that's not what the game is. Except that that's what my game is, because I come in and just make the best I want to get. So if you're looking for a game, look at those things. Talk to the veteran players. Listen to what they're saying about how they play the game, because you can learn a lot. Like, Bane and I, we like... The reason we got into a card game, you know, we got into the Transformers card game, that's not a funk. We wanted something we could do, you know, outside of the game time. We can sit here, we can build decks, whatever. I think Marvel and some other ones, we're going to scratch that itch for us because we've got all the stuff we can do. You know, we can tweak stuff. I mean, technically with, with a lot of games you can because you can tweak a lot, of, a lot of little things. War Machine a little less so, you have a list. You can take parts out, but you're not in no, no fine tweaking. You know, obviously in... Uh, Age of Sigmar, you can change the composition units. 40k, it war gear starts to get involved, and it becomes a thing. You can spend your life building lists. So you, if you're looking at a game, you want to look at all those factors and just sort of get a feel for what it is, and if that's the strategy or tactics you're looking for. How much do you want to do at home? How much do you want to do at the table? How much depth do you need in your game? All right, uh, let's go ahead and switch over to the media section. Whoa, media section. i got to fix your screen a little bit. I'll bring you down a little bit. There you go. No one brings me down. <laughs> so, um, I actually don't have a lot to talk about. I did watch quite a few things. Everyone, please mark that on their calendar. Council does not have a lot to talk about in the media section. <laughs> I do have a few things to talk about because I've been watching, and I watched, like, some I watched some series because um, I was trying to keep busy, you know, working on Warfare Weekend stuff and everything. But I didn't get to watch, you know, like a ton of, you know, movies. Um, 27th. Yeah, 27th. It's not June 7th again. Jesus Christ. I can't. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I love if I could take another June. I could probably, but no. That'd be longer until my buddy Frank gets in town. Um. So one of the things I did watch, and it was very entertaining uh, and very interesting uh, because there are, you know, with some restrictions being levied, I don't know when this was filmed, but it was sometime recently. Um, it was like amazing vacation stays, amazing rentals around the world, which was interesting because it was these three people going around to different, um, it's on Netflix, by the way, uh, going around to and renting places in different parts of the world. And, like, the first place they go to, they go to, to Bali. And one of the places they rent for is $24 a night. And it's a bamboo hut, bamboo hut, like, four stories tall. You know, and shares the spot. And, you know, there's all these different things that you can do. And they tell you, you know, you go there and they tell you how many rooms, how many square feet, how much it costs. You know, all that type of stuff, which is really good. Um, because, you know, there was a couple of them I was like, hey, I probably wouldn't mind going there. That looks like it would be fun because they were like, you know, that was just things I thought were interesting. They went to Bali. They did an episode on like tree houses, tree houses you could rent for the weekend, uh, which was really neat. Uh, you're because like every episode is like the three people divided up. Here's our super expensive one. Here's our unique one. And here's our budget one type thing. And so like one of the places they went to was like, here's our island. This is our island episode that you can rent. And, like, the expensive one was $15,000 a day. Um, and this is the one where, you know, celebrities go to to get away. 
uh, type thing. And, you know, it was like all meals and everything's accounted for and so on and so forth. Uh, so it was really neat to see the different For $15,000, a goddamn well better, man. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have chefs on duty, a Michelin star chef on duty at all time, and, you know, all that type of stuff. And they did, like, an episode on boats uh, that you can rent. Um, episodes, like, they did a foodie episode that e- each place was based around the food. Um, and, like, one of them was, like, this really swanky, you know, Japanese place. You had a Michelin star restaurant uh, chef right there cooking for you every single day. Uh, and then they were like, and if you don't like what's here, we take you out on the town and show you where to go to eat really good food. Um, and that one was like $5,000 a day. If I make that much money, you better, I better like what you're making. Yeah. (laughs) Shit. Uh, and one of them was like in Mexico and it was, uh, it was like they had a kitchen there and you learned how to cook and you cooked local food type thing. And it was of course much cheaper, but I mean, it was really interesting to see that stuff. I like, uh, seeing places around the world like this anyway, um, like I'll ever go there, but it's nice to know and see it. Um, it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. I thought it was interesting. Um, I can't really give it a rating because it's not really a rating thing. It's just an informational thing, but it was, it was good. I enjoyed seeing where they went and some of the places were really neat uh, and really interesting. A couple of places in Mexico, they had this one that was like uh, a Willy Wonka factory place because uh, it was all like everything was done in curves and bright colors and all this other stuff. Uh, one of them, they stayed in an igloo. They said they would never do that again um, type thing because it was like no heating in there. It was just the igloo. Um, but it was, yeah, it, it, would, it would be something like Anthony Bourdain would type do. Um, it was really good. I enjoyed it because uh, they, they had like this dude ranch and the reason why they do this dude ranch is so people can understand where your food comes from because you work an actual ranch uh, type thing. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, so I'd watch it. I actually watched it again with uh, Missy and Erica for a little bit. They I showed them some particular episodes that I thought they would like. So other than that, John, what you got? Uh, I've just been watching, obviously, Loki and uh, uh, Warrior. I'm not getting quite as much time as I want with all the streaming, but, uh, you know, I'm enjoying both. Uh, I was a little surprised that Loki was as short as it was. I was used to longer episodes, but I think it stopped at the right time. No spoilers, of course. And I like the content of it, and I'm really liking Warrior. It's actually doing a good job there. It's a little uncomfortable at points because the racism is, if you will, realistic and yeah. probably appropriate for the time. It is occasionally uncomfortable, but I think that's intentional. Yeah, it is. Uh, the more you watch it, they they hit on that. And they hit on it well, too. So, I mean, I really liked it. I can't wait for you to finish it out and everything. It, it'll take a little bit. I'm not trying to rush through it. But, yeah, I didn't watch any movies or anything. Mostly just uh, that and some YouTube episodes. Uh, I think I talked about this. Kyle Hill's doing a whole series on uh, various... Um, nuclear incidents and catastrophes in the u.s and elsewhere on youtube and it's interesting to watch you know he talks about the elephant foot of of chernobyl uh and he talks about uh bikini atoll which was a hell of a thing when you hear about it not something that you've heard in popular you know basic media behind it you know there's he did a whole he's got a whole series on it and each one is interesting to see uh how Basically, 
Americans are fucking stupid with <laughs> nuclear shit for a very, very long time. Yeah. Like, stop being idiots. Like, oh yeah, Chernobyl was fucking horrific. We are super lucky we did not have anything as bad as Chernobyl, let me be honest. Yeah. So, that stuff there. But I, I mean, I, I like, you know, if you will, modern media to, to sort of talk meta-wise about it. And how, if you want a topic, you could probably find multiple things about it from several different angles on YouTube alone for free. You know, you can find whatever you need to. In the case, you could find your old episodes of whatever. Um, uh, and all the fan stuff. It's, it's you know, people joke about YouTube, but man, fucking YouTube is great. <laughs> I am not going to lie, you know? I, uh, back in the day, you, you couldn't watch all this stuff. You're like, oh, that old commercial I remember was super cool, but you know, I've got to live with the memory of it. Nope, it's fucking on YouTube. I guarantee it. <laughs> There's like, I think one of the time this week I was looking up like resin printing stuff, and by the time I was, I was like, shit, three hours went by. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was I talked to uh, Nabarash Head Dave about uh, tying a tie. He's like, I don't tie a tie. I just hope the one that I have is still tied. I'm like, you know. Just watch a video on it. I used to tie ties based off, because I don't do it too often, based just off the picture instructions, like here's a picture. But them showing you on YouTube, so much easier, so much do-it-yourself stuff that it's, you know, simple stuff. Cooking shows, good Lord, you know. Uh, Catherine Easy was making baklava. I said immediately had, oh, I know two videos. Here's two videos to help you with baklava. People who get ideas. And not always... You know, high level. Sometimes it's lower level people just doing it and showing you. It's uh, it's great. I mean, I, it's 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 a hell of a thing. I mean, the internet's great in general, but you know, between YouTube and Wikipedia and all that stuff, we, we, this is an amazing time. Oh yeah, there's so much information out there. It's not even funny. Um, <laughs> one of the things I watched this week was, of course, a, a foodie show uh, called. Fresh, fried, and crispy. Uh, it's about a gentleman going around to different uh, cities and trying the best fried stuff there is. Um, of course, you know, my heart kind of, you know, flutters watching it because everything's all, most of the stuff is deep fried. Um, and it was it was an okay show. Uh, the host was entertaining, at least. Um, but I didn't see anything that I was like, oh, I have to go there type thing. Or, ooh, that sounds really good. It was... The host was entertaining. I think that's what made the show better. Um, but if you like watching someone go to different parts of the United States and trying out different, you know, fried foods, it's okay. I uh, think, honestly, if you watch one of those shows and you don't want to go there, I think they're doing it wrong. Yeah, there was very few Let me places... tell you on episodes of, you know, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that you don't want to go to that particular branch of Flavortown. Like, maybe not all of them, but three of them. You know, they have three in an episode, usually. One of those places, you were like, we need to go there. Yeah, there was... I did look up, because uh, they did go to St. Louis, and I did look up because he went to this uh, vegan restaurant. And they have this deep-fried chicken sandwich that's completely vegan. And he made it sound like it was real looking. I was like, oh, I could probably do that. And it, it's like a 30-minute drive from where I would be staying. I was like, that one, I could probably see, you know, doing whatever. Uh, type thing. This was filmed uh, recently uh, because there was some of the pandemic type stuff, you know, like you would, he would show the front of the restaurant and it'd be like, uh, 
we're only doing pickups, you know, type thing. So there was, you know, you can tell that that was done semi-recently. But I mean, I, it was okay. It wasn't, you know, great. I, I wouldn't feel bad if I didn't see that, you know, type thing. But like I said, a lot of this week I was busy, so it was more background noise than anything. Um, did watch Loki. John, what'd you think of this episode of Loki? I liked it. I did too. Um, the bar scene, uh, Loki is, of course, getting fleshed out, is what yes. they're doing. Which is good, because I like Loki even when he was his first appearance. Now I just like him even more. Yeah, and, and you can see as it goes on, he is being consistent, and you can see the, the parts of his core character that are there looking for are being shown off. You know, yeah. he walks by people, and he's upset that you know, they're just leaving to die or something like that. Something bad's happening to average people because, you know, he's he's shed a lot of that. Internally, he shed that uh, pretense that he only cares about himself and doesn't care about other people because he really does. Yeah. Like he said in the first episode, spoiler, you know, he's you know scared person just lashing out to pretend that he's, you know, confident in everything. Yeah, he, he's, the character is definitely growing. It's not your static, you know, Loki give a shit only about himself. Mm-hmm. But it, it's done really well. Um, yeah. No it's, huge... definitely, it's definitely more of a character piece. The action is good. Yeah. Uh, the last scene was very cool, the way it, uh, the, the motion of it, so to speak. <laughs> um, and I really am enjoying it. And I like what they're doing with the background of other stuff that they're putting, working in there. Yeah. And you think it's going to be a throwaway, but it's like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, there's there's so. some good scenes. I, I haven't felt that nothing has let me down. I don't feel bad. I really like Loki and Owen Wilson. I, I like when those two characters, Owen Wilson's character, when they're together, they really play off each other really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really fun to listen to. Um, hopefully, everything they keep doing that. Um, well, Loki and who he was playing off in this episode was very good too. Yes. It was too, but I, I, I think I really honestly, like... I think we could probably say Tom Hiddleston is pretty good at playing off other people. Yeah, <laughs> because honestly, that was one of the strengths of him in Kong Skull Islands. He played off the other people well. Yes, he's he's definitely made this a whole lot better. Yeah, um, and I'm looking forward to it. I I would still say at this point, I think uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is better, but, but this is much more of a slower character piece than that is that is action let's advance the marvel universe to where we need it this is no no we're doing what we need for this character yeah and that's cool that's very cool yeah because there was definitely some good character building uh some good background some good emotion coming from this episode and left on a semi cliffhanger i wouldn't say semi it was a cliffhanger because we don't know what the fuck's going to go happen but I, i'm enjoying it i like it a lot um i'm kind of curious do we know this is going to be a limited series or is this going to be do we know yet? I haven't, I haven't honestly checked. I don't really... I mean, hate say I don't care. I don't really care. I, I was just kind of curious. I'll, let's be honest. I'm going to watch what they put out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I am invested, you know, much like you, the Fast and Furious series, which I'm not sure if I want to see Fast 9 in the theater, because I do kind I do... Oh, kind of. I really want to see it, but I'm not sure I want to go to a theater. Maybe I can wait. Gotcha. You know, my, my vaccine's good now. It's been two weeks since my second shot and change. But still, do you want to? Yeah. I mean, honestly, 
we've sort of gotten used to this whole time of not having of, of what we do without all that time going out. I mean, I'm going to have to stop streaming on Friday nights potentially when we when the store opens back up because I'm not going to stream on Friday nights if I can go out and play miniature games instead mm-hmm. with not brush at Dave and maybe nickname pending Frank when he moves in in like three weeks. So we will see. A lot of things are going to change. That's really cool though. Uh, very good. Uh, Loki season two. Thank you, Captain Mizzy. Um. I did watch an episode of the Bad Batch. Bad Batch, it's okay. I usually watch I mean, it. It's thirty minutes long. I eat it while I watch it while I eat breakfast. <laughs> That's about it. I, uh, I would like to watch it. I'm interested in what they have, but I am not interested. And I know people say you can fill it in. You'll know. Yes, I can fill it. In, I know, but I would like to watch. However much fucking Clone Wars I have left, but I don't have the will to right now. Um. So the last thing I have is I've been playing a game called Scarlet Nexus. Scarlet Nexus is a, a new console game. I'm not sure. If it's, I think it's on PC. I'm not sure. I'm sure. Um, but I'll let you do the Googles. Uh, you are pretty much playing an anime. That is pretty much about it. Um, you are a character that has... Super, it is also on a computer. Is it super mind powers and you run around with a group of people... Uh, doing the story. Um, it's got some badass, fun as shit combat in this. It is super fun, super cool. You get to borrow powers from the other people in your party to make yourself better and do all this other stuff. Very stylish. Uh, the game has cut area scenes where, you know, you you technically, you don't have to talk to your party members and increase your bond with your party members. But you get bonuses and benefits from socializing with your party members. Um, I'm really digging the game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, You get to play as one of two characters. And at the end, you get to switch over and play as the other character. Uh, One's a male, uh, and he has a sword. And the female has a knife or something and it's like a, a, a semi-range character so the male character is melee and the female is like a ranged character sort of um works really good. do what hashtag stereotypes yeah it is um it's made by bandai i believe is what it is or whatever it is yeah so i mean it's it is very anime-ish the characters are all anime the care the action is very anime you can you have in-game battle scenes that are that you know cutscenes that happen if you do certain things but so far it's been pretty good um not done with it yet wait and see um but i'm enjoying it if uh views are generally solid though some like i looks like the the metacritic scores are much better than the some of the reviewer scores which is yeah. weird which is weird because it usually it fl- that usually is flip-flopped yeah, I mean, this is this basically Metacritic's like it's basically like an eighty out of a hundred for Metacritic. There's a couple eight out of tens, eight seven five out of tens, but then there's like seven out of ten, seven out of ten, fifteen out of twenty. I mean, <laughs> really, seven and a half out of ten. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Three and a half out of five, seven out of ten. Yeah, it, 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 uh, it's six not... out of ten and three out of five. So I'm like, there's a couple lower ones. It's weird. But it looks like it's generally getting good reviews. Yeah, it, it has some, before I bought it, 
I, 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 it's sad to say, before I buy any game now, I go and see if there's a review on it, and just to see what the consensus is. Well, um, is it is it is it a, a an A level game? Or are you paying seventy fucking bucks for it? Correct, and that's what I'm looking for. No, because first off, just not to go on a rant with one minute left, but let's just say that's too much fucking money for a game. Yeah, I, I'm I'm always going to be looking at a game to see if it's worth my sixty, seventy, fifty dollars, you know, give or take type thing. Because I mean, it was just. Oh, Gonzo, they were fifty dollars like a decade ago when I was playing Madden. Oh, Madden came out fifty bucks. Well, it's like I was oh, going to buy this game that's not Madden came out thirty bucks. I'm like, hmm. I was going to buy the Dark Alliance game that was going coming out because it was kind of like a Diablo esque type thing. But I mean, the reviews on it are just shit. And I was like. I'll wait for the Diablo 2 remaster. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it, it looks great. It looks fun. But every v- review is horrible. And everybody's like, it's clunky. It's, I mean, it's like, okay, I won't buy it. Yeah, not for that money. Not for that kind of money. Uh, I actually might buy MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries. Um, my uh, buddy L. Marshall is playing it and says it's really cool. And apparently the multiplayer works by whoever's hosting it the people who jump in are playing with their mechs and basically replacing their AI. Yeah. Which is a really cool feature, you know? So, like, I'm sick of this AI. I need real people. You just get some of your buddies to come in and no more AI. And, <laughs> you know, it seems cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, like, a new open-world fantasy game, a.k.a. like Skyrim or whatever, um, or another MMO, but I doubt we'll see anything like that. Anytime soon. Now, um, so, you know, E3 was, you know, I don't know if we talked about it a little bit. E3 was last week or yeah. a week ago. Uh, and the big winner for the E3 was apparently 2022. Because apparently everything important is coming out in 2022. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see anything that was, like, off of my record that I wanted to absolutely positively have to get. So I'll just have That's to wait. That's not bad. 30 bucks for MechWarrior 5 ain't bad at all, is it? 30 bucks. <laughs> well, guys, that is our episode tonight. We're, we apologize for Kathy's screen being locked up um, and her streaming uh, messing up the entire episode. It, it's it's kind of just what it is. You know, technology is kind of weird that way. Um, I mean, just assume she agreed with me. She said she agreed with me earlier, so she probably agreed with me. So we would have to go... You know what? I know the exact person... To get We're gonna raid uh, Wapelius. Ha! Okay. Okay. That's... <laughs> I got um, nothing there. I mean, me. See, look, Kathy totally agrees with me. I appreciate Kathy. That's why you're the best Kathy and the best Waffle. <laughs> um, so, guys, we really appreciate. It. Please be safe out there. Mm-hmm. Please don't do anything stupid. For more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. Take care. We love you all. I was waiting for that. Yeah, I mean, she she can fill some of the time, so you don't have to talk as much. You make sure we have a.